Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our Ugly Christmas Sweater Sermon Series. And this entire series, obviously, is inspired by the new holiday tradition of ugly Christmas sweaters. And that's because these sweaters do a good job of showing us what Christmas really looks like these days. And that's because in our attempts to make Christmas perfect, we can embrace some pretty ugly attitudes this time of year. And when we embrace these ugly attitudes, we take what's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year and a season that is filled with joy and happiness happiness, and we turn it into the most miserable time of the year. So throughout this sermon series, we're exploring what we need to do to leave the ugliness to the sweaters this Christmas so that we can have a season that is filled with joy and happiness as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So let's get right into this episode's sermon, and we'll be thinking about what we need to do to avoid using ugly words, not only at Christmas, but all throughout the year. thumbs up to eggnog today, but if I'm being completely honest, 
Eggnog is my least favorite of all holiday treats. I would rather eat fruitcake than drink eggnog. So I'm going to give eggnog a sad face. And hope that y'all that like eggnog will forgive me later on. All right, so the last words inside of our game today are words that you're going to hear all throughout this Christmas season. And that is ugly Christmas sweater. How do you feel about ugly Christmas sweaters? Now, obviously, I'm going to give ugly Christmas sweaters a great big thumbs up because I like them so much that they've inspired this entire sermon series. I like them so much that I'm willing to put one on when it's going to get like 65 degrees outside today. But I also understand if you don't feel the exact same way, I understand why some of you may give ugly Christmas sweaters a sad face. I mean, the truth of the matter is that they can be pretty gaudy and atrocious. I've seen plenty of ugly Christmas sweaters that actually make my eyes hurt when I look at them. So I get it if you don't love ugly Christmas sweaters. But when we stop and we think about it, I think that we can all admit that ugly Christmas sweaters do a good job of reflecting what Christmas has become like for so many of us. And that's because in our attempts to make Christmas perfect, we embrace ugly attitudes this time of year. In our attempts to make Christmas perfect, we embrace ugly attitudes this time of year. And when we embrace these ugly attitudes at Christmas time, we take what is supposed to be a season of joy and happiness, and we turn it into one of the most miserable times of year. But this Christmas doesn't have to be that way. This Christmas doesn't have to be miserable. This Christmas can be a season that is filled with joy and happiness. It can be one of the most wonderful times of year when you sit down with your family and your friends to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But in order for that to happen, this Christmas, you need to leave the ugly to the sweaters. This Christmas, you need to leave the ugly to the sweaters. But how exactly do we do that? Well, that's what we're talking about at Melbourne Heights every Sunday between now and Christmas. We're talking about what we need to do to leave the ugliness to the sweaters. And specifically, we're focusing in on a few areas in our lives where our ugly attitudes tend to creep up on us this time of year. And we're not only talking about these areas and attitudes in our lives where we see this ugliness, we're also talking about what we need to do to avoid all of that ugliness. So we started last week by talking about how we can avoid having ugly thoughts. And what we saw last week is that in order to avoid having ugly thoughts, not only at Christmas but all throughout the year, that we need to replace those thoughts with good thoughts, with thoughts that bring us joy. So that's why we encourage you and challenge you to help us decorate our worship space by decorating those little ornaments with things that bring you joy and share those joyful thoughts with us all throughout the season. Well, today we are moving on and we're talking about what we can do to avoid using ugly words. And as we get started out talking about what we need to do to avoid using ugly words, I think the first thing that we have to do is admit that we all use ugly words. We all are able to say things that can be extremely damaging and painful to the people that we love the most when we're speaking with them. And most of the time we say these ugly things without ever thinking about the words that are coming out of our mouth. But we need to remember that words are powerful. Our words are powerful. And if you don't believe that our words are powerful, just think about that little game that we played to start our worship, our sermon today. I didn't make you or ask you to hang up a single strand of Christmas lights. I didn't ask you to drink a single sip of eggnog. 
I didn't ask you to put on an ugly Christmas sweater on a 65 degree day. But just by mentioning words like Christmas lights, eggnog, and ugly Christmas sweater, you had some sort of reaction to those words. You had strong reactions to some of those words. Because even though some of y'all, all of you have masks on with us in person right now, I can still see the sour face that some of you made when I mentioned eggnog. So words are powerful. Words are powerful. And we need to remember how powerful our words can be. This is why the book of Proverbs, which is essentially just a book that is filled with wise sayings, tells us this about our words. In Proverbs 18.21, we're told, The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, this particular proverb, it reminds me of a story that I heard told by a music professor named Audrey Hunt. While she, uh, this story took place while she was teaching a music theory class at a community college in Moore Park, California. During this particular semester, as she was teaching this music theory course, she had a student by the name and Edward was a really shy and reserved young man. The truth of the matter is that Edward never talked to anyone at all. So Dr. Hunt decided that she wanted to try to strike up a friendship with this young man. But in spite of her best efforts, she was never able to break through the shell. But even though she wasn't able to get close to Edward, by the time the semester was coming to an end and they were preparing for final exams, Dr. Hunt found herself rooting for Edward, hoping that he would do well on that final so that he would receive a good grade in her course. Now, Dr. Hunt's not the kind of professor who just passes out grades to her students as soon as the final exam finishes. Instead, what she does is she has each one of her students come and sit down and talk with her in her office after the semester ends before giving them their final grade. So when the time came for her to sit down with Edward, in spite of her best wishes and hopes for Edward that he would have done extremely well in her class, he barely managed to pass her course at all. But before Dr. Hunt could say a single word to Edward, he spoke up in their meeting. And he said, I know that I'm getting a low grade in your class. I realize that I haven't been participating in class the way that I should, and that I'm an embarrassment to the other students. I'm lazy, selfish, stupid. I'm an ugly, no-good-for-anything person. I'm a hopeless case with absolutely no future. Dr. Hunt was immediately taken back by what Edward said to her. And at first she wanted to interrupt what he was saying, but decided that she needed to give him his space and let him get everything off of his chest. When Edward had finished getting everything off of his chest, Dr. Hunt spoke up and she said, Edward, I want to tell you what grade you made made an A. Edward couldn't believe it. But Dr. Hunt began explaining to him, yes, Edward, this semester you may have done the work of a D student, but I want you to know that you are an A-plus person. I believe in you, and I will always believe in you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you now, and that I will be here for you whenever you need me in the future. Well, that evening when Dr. Hunt had gone she received a call from Edward's priest. And based on the conversation they had earlier in the day, she immediately feared the worst. The priest told her the opposite. The priest told her during their conversation that before Edward came to meet with Dr. Hunt that day, he had made the 
decision that he was going to take his life after enduring years of physical and emotional abuse from his family. But the conversation that Edward had with Dr. Hunt that day saved his life. Because for the first time in his life, Edward found that his life had value and worth. And for the first time, he heard that there was someone in this world who believed in him. So on that day, Dr. Hunt literally spoke words of life to Edward. And this is a story that we all need to hear. Because this story shows us an important truth. That truth is that we forget how powerful our words can be. We forget how powerful our words can be. And during the Christmas season, when we're all feeling a little bit anxious and a little bit stressed out because we have so much to do, when we're feeling anxious and stressed because we have one more present to buy or one more gift to wrap, one more party to throw or one more party to attend, we can let that anxiety and stress get the best of us. We can snap at the people that we love the most. We can say ugly things to our family and our friends that will damage our relationship and damage that person's perception of themselves forever. So we need to realize that our words are powerful and that the words that we use matter. And we, as followers of Jesus as Christians, we are called to a higher standard with the words that we use. We need to understand what the proverb that I read earlier today tells us. That our words do, in fact, have the power to give life, but our words also have the power to take life. So we need to be intentional with the words that we use to make sure that we are speaking the kind of words that God wants us to use in our lives. This is a lesson that a leader in the early church by the name of James, who also happened to be one of Jesus' brothers, wanted to make sure that Christians all throughout the Roman Empire so James sits down and he writes a letter that we appropriately call James, where he shares these words of wisdom, trying to help people understand how important our words can be. So let's take a look at what James says, and we'll start reading in James chapter 3, verse 2. Here's what he writes. He writes, We all make mistakes, often, but those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like a bridle horse, they can control themselves entirely. When we bridle horses and we put bits in their mouths to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them, but pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. So in this passage, what we hear from James is that if we want to stop using ugly words, then we need to control just like a small rudder is able to steer a giant ship, just like a small flame is able to start an enormous fire, our small tongues can take control of our lives. And if you don't think that your tongue can take control of your life, let me challenge you to do something. The next time that you're on social media, 
read the comments thread under any political post that you find. It really doesn't matter what the post is. If it's political, read the comments thread and you're going to see what I mean. But I'll go ahead and warn you, if you are brave enough to read the comments thread under a political post, it's not for the faint of heart. And what you're going to see there is you're going to see human beings that would ordinarily in the real world be rational and reasonable people saying things that they would never dare say to another person's face. And they say it simply because they get so angry about whatever political point it is that they want to make that they lose control of their tongues. And their tongue takes control over what would ordinarily be a normal human being. So, if we want to leave the ugly to the sweaters this Christmas, we have to be able to take control of our tongues. But how exactly do we take control of our tongues? Well, once again, as we continue reading in the letter that James writes, he's going to offer us a hint about what we need to do if we want to control so, we'll pick back up in James chapter 3, verse 7. This is what James tells us. He says, People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. So, what James is hinting at for us in this passage is that if we want to avoid using ugly words, we have to tame our tongues. If we want to avoid using ugly words, we have to tame our tongues. But what exactly does that mean? Well, stop and think about what the word tame implies. The word tame implies that something is going to take a lot of work, that something is going to take a lot of practice. I mean, if you go to the circus and you see a lion tamer, what do they do? They put in a lot of work and they put in a lot of practice with a wild animal to teach it to behave in a more domesticated fashion. So if we want to take control of our tongues, we have to tame them. That means that we have to be willing to put in the work and the practice that we need to to tame our tongues altogether. And this morning I have three questions that I'm going to give you that I want you to ask yourself to help you train and tame your tongue. So if you're the kind of person who likes to take notes, now's a great time to grab a pencil and a piece of paper or open up that note-taking app on your phone. Because these three questions are questions that we need to ask before we open our mouths to say a thing, to make sure that we speak words of life, not words that take life. All right? So the first question that we need to ask ourselves is, will what I'm about to say honor what I'm about to say, honor God. Now, as followers of Jesus as Christians, everything that we do is supposed to honor God. And that includes the words that we speak. So when we speak, we are supposed to speak words that bring hope instead of despair. When we speak, we are supposed to speak words that offer love and not hatred. When we speak, we are supposed to speak words that bring people peace, not more chaos. When we speak, supposed to speak words that offer people joy instead of more sorrow. This is what God wants us to speak. We have to remember that whatever we are, we're representing God. So we need to ask ourselves, before we say a single word, will what I'm about to say honor God? Second question is similar to that first question. But here it is. Will what I'm about to say honor the person I am saying it to. 
Well, what I'm about to say, honor the person I am saying it to. Do you remember when Jesus teaches us uh, the golden rule in the Sermon on the Mount? The golden rule tells us to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. So before we speak a single word, we need to ask ourselves, is what we're about to say is going to honor the person, treat them with the same amount of respect that we would want them to show to us in that conversation? Before we speak to anyone, we also need to ask ourselves, how would we respond if another person talked to us the same way that we're talking to them? We need to make sure that we're speaking to others the way that we would want them to speak to us. So we need to ask ourselves, well, what I'm about to say honor the person I'm saying it to. Final question that we need to train ourselves to ask before we say anything is this. Will what I'm about to say be something I will regret? Will what I'm about to say be something that I will regret? Now remember what the proverb Proverbs 18 tells us when it said that our words have the power to give life and our words have the power to take life. What that means is that once we speak our words, we're not always able to undo the damage that they cause. So the best way to make sure that our words don't cause damage is to really think about what we're going to say before those words leave our mouth. So we need to be able to think that the words that we're going to say are going to be something that we regret later on. So these three questions are the questions that we need to ask ourselves if we want to train our tongues, if we want to tame our tongues. We have to ask ourselves if our words are going to honor God, if they're going to honor the person that we're speaking to, if they're going to be words that we will later regret. And we need to train ourselves to ask these words before we open our mouths and say anything, not just during the weeks leading up to Christmas, but every day throughout the entire year. But these words, these these questions, they are especially important for us to ask at Christmas time. That's because whether we realize it or not, Christmas time, the world all around us is far more open to thinking about who Jesus is and the difference that Jesus can make in our world and in our individual lives. But when the world around us sees us as followers of Jesus, as people who call ourselves Christians, behaving and saying the exact same things that everybody else in the world says and does, words that we say, they sabotage our message of the good news of Jesus before we even begin to proclaim it. This is why the book, uh, this is the way the book of James explains all of this to us. Here's what James says, continuing in James chapter 3, starting with verse 9. He says, with our tongues, we both bless the Lord and Father, and we curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it shouldn't be this way. Both fresh water and salt water, they don't come from the same spring, do they? My brothers and sisters, a fig tree produce, uh, can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. Because fresh water doesn't flow from salt from a salt water spring either. This is what James wants us to realize inside of this text. Especially at Christmas time. At Christmas time, we as followers of Jesus, we will attend all sorts of special services and activities. 
We will spend time together every Sunday morning and on Christmas Eve, getting together and worshiping God. We will listen to special sermons. We will sing Christmas carols. We will say that we are honoring and celebrating all that God did when God sent His Son into this world for us. And then as soon as we leave those worship services, we'll start using ugly words. We'll start uh, using ugly words to complain about the sermon that we just listened to. We'll use ugly words to complain about the Christmas carols that we just sang. We'll use ugly words when we get back in, back in our cars and make it out onto the streets to complain about all of the other drivers that don't know what they're doing on the road. We'll use ugly words when we sit down to have a Christmas meal or to open Christmas presents with our family and with our friends. And what James is telling us when we do all of that is that we've got it wrong. We can't have it both ways. What James wants us to know is that you cannot praise God in one moment and then curse the very people that God created in the next. But we do it all the time. Our words matter. The words that we speak reflect the God that we believe in. So our words need to honor God. Our words need to honor the people we speak. With other people, the way that God speaks us. Our words should never be words that we ultimately regret because our words can offer life to the people all around us. So if we'll put in the work to try to tame and train our tongues, if we will learn to ask these questions before we open our mouths, will what I'm about to say honor God? Will it honor the person I'm speaking to? Will it be something that I later regret? If we train ourselves to ask these questions, we'll find that we can leave the ugly sweaters this Christmas. And we can make this time of year a time that is filled with the love that God truly offers us all. Let's pray. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, we all need to confess that we can use ugly words to tear other people down all of the time. But God, for us, as people that gather together today to worship you, as people who claim the name of your Son, Jesus, when we call ourselves Christians, we are called to so much more than that. God, we are called to reflect you in everything that we do. So convict us of the ugly words that we say. We're in one breath honor and praise you, but the next breath will criticize, complain, and tear down the very people that you created. God, help us to see that that is not the way. Help us to learn from the life that Jesus lived as he walked this earth. After he was born as a baby, grew up, became a man, his words spoke life for all of us. Let our words do the same. We pray all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has challenged you to really think about the words that you use before you even speak them. Because we do need to tame and train our tongue. We need to think about if the words we're going to speak are going to honor God or honor others, or if they're going to be words that we regret before they leave our mouths. Because our words, they do have the power to give life, but our words also have the power to take life. So we need to be intentional about the words that we use.
And in our next episode, we're going to continue talking about what we can do to leave the ugly to the Christmas sweaters this year. And specifically, we're going to be thinking about what we can do to avoid having ugly motives in our lives. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And don't forget that we would love to have you come and worship with us online every Sunday morning. We worship at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We would love to have you with us. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys are having a great Christmas season. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another Sermon Podcast.